All right. Welcome. Welcome to Know Your Roles, the entertainment, culture, and sports podcast where we find those unexpected connections across all your favorite mixed media that you might not have seen coming. We talk film, television, sports, literature, and more. I'm one of your hosts, Dave Kleinman, and this is my co-host, Mr. George Walter Payton Gordon III. Take it away, George. Dave, thank you. I'm kind of bummed that took you this long to do that one that that bums me out that should have been the first one (laughs) i've been saving it for a special occasion well thank you that was very good very good and then i decided just to use it anyway (laughs) because i'm running out of patents (laughs) nice i know there's a few out there dave i'm super excited about this week we have comedian writer performer and podcast host Ray Sane, we're going to be talking about reality TV shows and fashion accessories. But before we get to that, how are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. I realized like the last week or so that uh, we've been doing this podcast for a year. (laughs) Oh, whoa. Cue the Tony, Tony, Tony. It's our anniversary. I wish I brought up the text exchange between you and I from a year ago that started this whole thing. But from memory, I can basically recreate it for people, mm-hmm. which was me being like, hey, I got I got an idea. I think it's a podcast. You just responding. That's incredible. Let's do it. <laughs> and that was it. There we are a year later. So uh, yeah, thanks, George. Um, well, you know, I try. You, you do. <laughs> you try and succeed. You then took the idea and made it much better. So well, how are you doing, man? What's going on with you? I'm good. I am, uh, for once, I am not hungover. Imagine that. <laughs> so that's that's a good feeling. So I might, I might want to live in this city for a bit, you know? <laughs> Give that a go for a few days, you know what I mean? <laughs> you see how long that lasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know. I, I'm actually not going to go out tonight. I think I'm going to go see a movie. Oh, nice. The Suicide Squad. <laughs> I think that I think that premieres tonight. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know, but but sounds right. Um <laughs> when it premieres. It's gotten gotten good reviews. So let's go. James Gunn, whatever. Idris Elba's in it, right? Yeah, yeah. I think he's a British guy in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's his title. British guy. So Dave, let's go and open this bar. All right, George. Let's do it. Today on Bar Talk, we're going to be talking about coming attractions. Quite the segue, George Gordon. Shout out to me. The Olympics and uh, the conclusion of White Lotus. But up first, let's talk about some of these coming attractions, Dave. Have you seen? There are a bunch of cool trailers have dropped this week. Um, uh, House of Gucci, the new trailer for Dune, and Ghostbusters. Uh, have you seen those or have any other trailers caught your eye? I have seen those. They all look pretty intriguing to me. The Dune movie, I just just start there. First of all, I just learned that it's a two-part movie. It's going to be a two-part movie. Yeah. So it's like five hours or some shit like that. Can't wait. Also, I spoke to you about this the other day, but in the trailer, they made it look like Zendaya's movie. and uh, Or she was like a, a, a big part of it. And you were kind of saying that character doesn't isn't in the book until like much later. Yeah, from what I've gathered, I think uh, that character is a bigger part in the second movie. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it. It, it, You know, I'm not like a a Dune nerd or anything. Like, I've never read the book. I've seen bits and pieces of the David Lynch uh, movie that everybody thinks is a disaster. Mm -hmm. I've also seen the documentary about filmmaker Alejandro Hodorowski, who made these like bizarre, weird cult films in the 70s. And he was going to make a Dune. That movie's called Hodorowski's Dune. And it's very worthwhile for anyone uh, who hasn't seen it because 
this guy's a fucking nut. But his designs for the movie, like it would have been the most incredible movie ever. But like the people with money were like, they, you can't do this. But yeah, what what caught your eye? Uh, well, Dune for sure. It's like a who's who of people who I would want to hang out with. <laughs> you know, like Oscar Isaac, I'd hang out. I've actually hung out with him. He's really nice. Jason Momoa, I'd probably hang out with him. I'd even hang out with Timothy Chalamet. We could talk about New York City basketball. Uh, Rebecca Hall's in this. Die, I'll definitely hang out with. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's like sign me up for this. So the new one dropped. I showed a buddy of mine at a bar and he went to the bathroom and watched it and came back and was like, you thought he had seen a ghost. He was like, I can't wait. So I'm I'm super stoked. Um, uh, have you seen the House of Gucci trailer? You said you had. I have. And that's one of those ones that like, I, you know, I heard through the grapevine or like looking at various sources that this movie was happening and it was about the Gucci family, which like I basically know nothing about. Uh, and it was Adam Driver and Lady Gaga. That didn't like strike a chord for me, really. But then I saw the trailer. Like I said, I don't really know anything about the Gucci family. And apparently they're like a crime family and they did a bunch of mafia type shit. And yeah, it does look really good. It's It's Ridley Scott as well. So, you know, it's going to be like... It's going to be exciting. Yeah, I saw the trailer much later. The uh, the sh- the shot, the still of Adam Driver and Lady Gaga in 80s ski wear. I was like, oh, let's go. Let's do it. Sign me up. And then they had like uh, <laughs> Blondie in the trailer. I'm like, you know, what? I'm already hooked. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And then finally, the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer dropped. And we're going to bring in uh, producer Mary Bess to talk about this for a second as well. But um. Uh, I'm into nostalgia porn. Let's do it too. So three for three. Sign me up. <laughs> I loathe remakes, especially of movies that are good. Like you don't need to remake a movie that's good. You should remake a movie that's bad. That's the whole point of a remake. But this is like a a sequel, I guess, of sorts, or just like a new story. And it looks really interesting. It looks cool. It's like do a new thing, and they're doing it. And Carrie Coon is in it, who I love. She's incredible. Paul Rudd. Always likable. Always. Yeah. I mean, if, if there were a gold medal for likability, it would go to Paul Rudd every year. It, it cracks me up. There's like, even when you said always likable, there's a lo- level of disdain that you probably have for Paul Rudd. It's like, he's just too likable. You, you speak for yourself, George Gordon. <laughs> no, not for me. I was talking about Dave. <laughs> I love Paul Rudd. But sure. Yeah. There's always disdain for, uh, for everyone. Um, Mary Bess, I know you were, we know you were excited about it. I am. I am. A, I'm a big Ghostbusters fan. And the Afterlife trailer when it came out last year um, was really big for me. Um, I, I took a deep dive into like all the Easter eggs in the trailer. It's it's really great. At one point you see one of the kids, um, she's found a lair or a lab, something in the basement, and there's a collection of spores. And so that leads us to believe that um, this is Egon's family, that he's the grandfather who's passed away. Um, and it's just... I I hope it's as wonderful as it seems to be. Um, And it seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. And I, I really can't wait. There's a lot of um, hearkening back to Zool and potentially um, the person uh, or the architect who built Dana's building from uh, the first Ghostbusters film and uh, you know, that somehow being tied to the town that they're in. So I don't think I'm saying anything that people don't already have some inkling of, or haven't already read about if you're interested in this movie, but um, I am here to say that I am here for it. I'm excited about it. 
And I think it's going to be really fun. And I personally, like, I don't have, I don't think the stakes are too high for me. I do have a lot of expectations, but I think it's also, uh, it's also good to just go in there and have a good time. Well said. The only thing I really want out of it is uh, the use you mentioned Zool um, is a Rick Moranis uh, cameo. (laughs) (gasps) Oh, that would be amazing. I am the gatekeeper. I hope so. Any pots is in it. Small tangential story. Rick Moranis came into a restaurant I was working in uh, when I was 22 years old here in New York in Midtown and no one else recognized him. I was working in the coat check and he gave me his coat and I I had to stop. I was like, oh, oh my God. Yes. Yes, sir. Of course. Thank you. And as soon as he sat down, I went over to the podium to the maitre d' and the other hostess. And I said, do you do you know who that is? That's, that's Rick Moranis. And they were like, no, no, it's not. And we, of course, ultimately ascertained that it was. And I was like, no one else recognized him. I, I suppose I was the only person in that environment who was, you know, a, a Ghostbusters fan or, mm-hmm. you know, was into, you know, the Honey, I Shrunk the Kid movies. Um, or shrunk the kids, blew up the baby. You know, you know how it goes. But anyway, yeah, that would be that would be pretty wonderful. Absolutely. I hope we'll get some fun cameos in that. Moving right along, let's get into a little bit of the Olympics. It's been a couple of weeks. We've only talked about it briefly. We're both going to talk about a few things, but for me, uh, the highlights have been both the men's and the women's 400 meter race between the the gold and the silver for for both events. They both broke the world record. Uh, held by that was I think for, in the men's it was like 29 years and the women's it was like a handful of years but both of them were amazing races 400 meter hurdles I am there for that every Olympics Dave you got some thoughts go ahead yeah that race was awesome um just to give a very quick uh downer disclaimer uh the whole Olympics is bullshit and it probably shouldn't be happening because Tokyo is like under siege of COVID and you're reminded of that every time but you know I still watch it I like to see these athletes performing in uh, prime condition and and there always are great stories uh a couple that caught my eye one is uh Hidalin Diaz won a gold medal for weightlifting and she is Filipino. And if you can believe it or not, she is the first Filipino person to ever win a gold medal. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then there was, but there's been a lot of firsts to Myra Mensa stock, black woman from the U S the first black woman from the U S to win a gold medal in wrestling. She gave a really incredible performance. Stayed up late last night to watch uh, the men's basketball team play uh, Australia. Australia. Yeah. Very pesky in the first half. And then the talent kind of won out in uh, the third quarter, but uh, FIBA basketball kind of exciting. Only 10 minute quarters. It's unbelievable. It's, it happens fast. And there's like hardly any TV timeouts. So I'm for that. Unreal. Mary Bess, I know there's some stories that you maybe caught your eye. Um, yeah, I just, you know, like you, I had some problems with the Olympics, you know, for for many reasons, uh, especially this year, seeing some behavior and some choices that were not especially, uh, I was not especially fond of. However, um, I will say that there are definitely people breaking a lot of ground. There are people breaking a lot of glass ceilings, which is really exciting. Someone like Laurel Hubbard, um, who has made history as the first openly trans woman to compete at the Olympic Games, which is really, really exciting. And the fact that there are over 30 out people who are representing the United States of America in the games is is really fantastic. Um, And people using their platforms to call attention to things like mental health, to intersectionality, to um, LGBTQ plus rights and liberties and protections. Uh, People like Raven Saunders, who 
uh, took a moment on the podium after she received her silver medal to lift her arms in an X formation. Um, and she said she was just calling attention to the intersection of where all people who were oppressed meet, which is really incredible. She said, shout out to all my black people, shout out to all my LGBTQ community, shout out to everybody dealing with mental health, because at the end of the day, we understand that it's bigger than us and it's bigger than the powers that be. And uh, someone like Raven and, of course, someone like Simone, who are calling attention to the fact that these athletes are not performers. They are people and they deserve to set boundaries, especially when their bodies are on the line and their mental health is on the line. So I think I think a lot of people have had trouble navigating that uh, and understanding that. However, um, it's it's important to see people standing up and trying to take care of themselves and each other. So. So I think there is some good coming out of these games, something something for every one of us to think about and, you know, try to offer respect to these people who are working really hard <laughs> to, to make this happen. So totally. Thank you, Mary Bess. I think also that's like that's the key distinction is like the Olympics as an institution and as a thing, they've always been terrible. Like it's so bad for the city that the country that does it, they they're in debt for like 30 years. But the individual athletes, like we can still celebrate them and it's still a an achievement, a lifelong goal and achievement. I mean, these people have spent like a lot of them their entire lives trying to get to this point, you know, so that is really incredible. All right. That being said, we're going to move on to the final bar top bar talk topic. Say that five times fast bar talk topic. Um, it's early folks. Um, <laughs> for a couple of bartenders at least. Uh, all right, we're going to talk about The White Lotus, which is the Mike White show on HBO right now, which both of us are thoroughly fucking enjoying. Uh, George, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I w- would love to hear uh, some of your thoughts. It's it's wickedly funny. Uh, it's a great cast from Steve Zahn to Connie Britton to my man Jake Lacey, who I think is kind of the undercover star of the show, even though he's a little douchey, but I enjoy every minute that he's on there. Uh, I forget the, the the name of the uh, the the English fellow, Murray. Is it Murray? What's his name? The guy who plays the manager? Yes. I believe he's Australian. He's Australian, okay. He's incredible. He's he's wonderful. Murray Bartlett. Murray Bartlett. Uh, shout out to him. He was also a big winner of uh, last week's episode, uh, and a loser if you're watching it. Uh, I'm, I'm loving it. It's one of those things where, like, uh, I find myself making sure that I have stuff. I get all my stuff done Sunday that, that way I can like watch it Sunday night. So, Dave, what do you think? Yeah, I fucking love it. Um, I have liked Mike White for a long time. I, I think he's done a lot of really great work in different aspects. He's written, he's directed, he's acted. Um, but I think this might be his best thing. It's so good. The tone of it, just visually and story-wise, is so good. I mean, it's very dark, but it's also, it's very funny, but it, it definitely puts you off, like it's, it makes you uneasy, you know, with the music and the way that it's shot, the way that it's moving. Music, music's great. Yeah, it's so good. And it's such an interesting commentary on like white privilege and colonization. Yeah, man. Yeah, White Lotus. A plus 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 as Jordan mm-hmm. would say. All right. So Dave looks like we're all tapped out. Let's go sit down and Ray and talk about reality TV shows and fashion accessories. All right. Here is that. Hi there. Hello. Hello, Ray. How's it going? How's it going? Hey. 
Hi, George. Uh, it's good to see you. <laughs> I know. It's been a while. It's been a few years, what yeah. Are you and your Mets hat. Um, yeah. uh, you were, uh, oddly enough, when my, when my album came out, I, uh, I tagged all the people who were pictures of, there's a picture of us from like a decade ago. It, it, was it a Mindy? I think I vaguely remember this. It was like uh, in front of like Arlene's Grocery or something like that. Oh, wow. Yes, I yeah. do remember this. Yeah, I it was do. a long time ago. But uh, yeah. yeah, so there's a picture of you on, on my on my record. So. Oh, that's cool. I like <laughs> that. That makes me feel special. Okay. Well, then I'll be sure to find you for mine. Oh, well, well thank you. Thank mine. you. I, I, I like that, too. It could be just a picture of George. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, they probably you could just call it George. <laughs> like, uh, what's his name? Was that, was that the name of JFK Jr.'s magazine? Was it George? George, it was. John George? Yeah. Anyway, that was a stupid reference. My God. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate all, all references here. <laughs> So, Ray, let me introduce you around uh, the room. Uh, this sure. is our producer, Mary Bess. Hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Nice to meet you off email. Exactly. And this is Dave, who's uh, the other other half of Know Your Roles, or the other third of Know Your Roles. Nice to meet you. You as well. Thank you so much for, for coming on. No problem. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Absolutely. Let me go ahead and start off and uh, congratulate you for being nominated for an Emmy for Black Lady Sketch Show. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Yay. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, it's it's so cool, but like not cool at all. Like, if, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's like uh, it's a thing in your head. But then also it's like I'm still whack. Like, I'm still you know what I mean? Like, you know. It's not, I'm not in California anymore. I'm sure in California, I'd be walking around being like, you guys, (laughs) but, but no one here gives a shit, you know? And I'm actually glad for that. That's fun. (laughs) You just got to find the right audience. Like you got to go to like a neighborhood bar and like, just bring it with you and like put it on the (laughs) bar and everybody be like, oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. If I win, if I win, I'm, I'm even going to go on the subway with it. <laughs> Get robbed instantly. <laughs> yeah, that, that might not be the best idea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That'd be fun, though. I uh, know, like, it's weird, though, because, like, um, yeah, like, I'm a native New Yorker. So, like, I don't know. That feels like part of all of the stuff that I hated about California. Just, like, the, you know, like, the showy-offiness. Not that New York is, like, you know, all this like modesty or anything, but it's like a different kind of braggadocio. Like here, everybody, I'm doing that. The New York versus LA stand-up comics, stupid shit. So never mind. (laughs) We we want that. (laughs) We want to hear all of that. (laughs) I don't know. Like I hated California. I hated it so much. I wouldn't, I don't think I would ever live there again. Like, an awful place, awful place. And everyone is so high. It's absurd. It's absurd. Like it, everyone should be ugly. Like there (laughs) needs to be like a, you need the ugliness to humble you. And like, even gorgeous people are ugly here. They dress weird or, you know, they still got to do normal, not good looking people shit, like take the subway or like eat a pizza or something. But like, there's like, there's this, 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 this beauty that is like, it feels like a veneer almost like it feels uh, fake. I don't know. I can't explain it, but whatever. But yes, 
uh, we'll never live there. It didn't help that I don't know how to drive. So there's all that. Because you're from Brooklyn and that, that's not a, a yeah. Brooklyn thing to like this. No, it's only it only matters like if you I don't know, like what if you live in like deep in Brooklyn, like Canossi or something like that, you know, <laughs> like if you if you're at the other end of the L train, the ungentrified end of the L train, then you need a car or if you live in Queens or something. But yeah. And, and at this point now, I'm starting to wonder, you know, maybe I should learn how to drive so that like if my kids need I don't have kids. What am I talking about? If my <laughs> kids need something, then I should you know, I can be able to take them somewhere. You know, I don't want to be like a mom in a stroller on the subway. I'm sorry. This is like <laughs> early morning rambling. I apologize. Oh, no, we're here for all of this. So you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel insane. I haven't smoked or anything. I swear. Just uh, talking about, you know, the Emmy for for Black Lady Sketch Show. And just if you could talk about what it's like working on that show and, and uh, oh. you know, how you kind of came came involved with it. Oh, um, see, this is a good that's an interesting question, because, like, I often wondered how uh, anybody got anything because I didn't know how anybody got anything until I got stuff. But I still don't know how anybody gets anything, to be honest with you. Um, I think, you know, television in particular, but just entertainment in general is like who, you know, and my agent or not my agent, my management company produces uh, a black lady sketch show. So I'm sure that's how I got it. You know, when they went looking out for black women, they're like, why not hire from three arts? You know, um, so I wish there was like a cool like story. It was just like, oh, my manager did her job. Um, and then- <laughs> I mean, to me, it that is a cool story. Like- but, you know, it's like it's not a story that you could give people advice kind of thing, if that makes sense, where, sure. you know, because there definitely have been people being like, how'd you get into TV? And I was like, I did stand up miserably for like eight years until somebody paid me attention and told me they could give me stuff. And I didn't believe them. And then they started giving me stuff. So I believed them now, you know. Um, and uh, but yeah, it was like. It was it was cool. Like um, I like had a meeting with Robin Thede and then that was it. You know, you submit obviously sketches and stuff. But yeah, that was it. And um, I don't know. It was a blast. I think um, that was like my my most thrilling job um, because you don't realize how much it matters to see people like you until you see people like you. And I guess, yeah, I've been in predominantly white schools and stuff my whole life. So like the absence of color was not something I was clueless about, but I didn't realize how much being around people like you brought the best out of you. Um, You know, like one of the things that we did was like on the first day, like Robin challenged us to write stories about ourselves, like not about other people, like not, you know, stories necessarily about race or whatever. She just wanted us to write stories about ourselves and how we live. And it broke my brain for a second because I've never, ever in my life thought about myself. You don't, you don't, grow up as a black kid and think that you get to be selfish or self-absorbed or like, why am I even using negative words? But you never think that the world is about you. And we were invited to write as if the world was about us. 
And that was like incredible. Um, changed my life too. Cause now I'm confident that I matter in a way that allows me to center myself in not just things I write, but my stand up. you know, like stand up was already getting me on the way to solipsism, you know, like stand up in general is a pretty self-centered art, but, uh, my stand-up tends to be like self-deprecating and then, you know, somewhat observational. And I can, I, I learned through the show that I can, the jokes can be about me, but they don't have to be on me. If that makes any sense. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to be small so that my jokes can be big, just like every other kind of person. I can be big within my storytelling or I can be big within my jokes. Um, and I think Black Lady Sketch Show also just expanded my imagination. Not only was I able to suddenly be part of a story, but the story I could be in was big and silly. And, you know, like I'm not, you know, a sci-fi or anything kind of girl. I've always just like straight comedy, pretty grounded humor, you know, real tangible stuff. And like Robin just has a sci-fi and magical realism kind of mind. So like every time I went for something small, she invited me to make it bigger. And then she would make that thing even bigger. And I guess the word is big. Like I was small and I thought about myself as a small person, just, you know, standard low self-esteem things that comedians and girls have. But um, everything about Black Lady Sketch Show Writers Room invited me to be big, and that was like magical. I had never experienced that before, you know. And even like in school, you'll have people tell you that you're dope, maybe a teacher or somebody like that, but you don't really internalize that because who gives a fuck what your high school dean thinks about you, <laughs> like <laughs> you know? But it's like a different kind of thing when your peers who look maybe not exactly like you because black women don't look the same, but you know, who looks like you enough that they get it are telling you something about yourself. It's it's harder to blow it off when it comes from people who mean something to you. So that was cool. And people who were like invested in me and investing in me also makes the show great. Investing in the whole writer's room makes the show great in a way that like, I saw on my other um, jobs, but it wasn't special in the same way. There wasn't like for me, you know, but, you know, you need other experiences to learn how impactful and powerful certain experiences can be. And um, yeah, I, it was magical. It was magical. Yeah. How was it working with y'all and the rest of the writers during the pandemic? Because uh, everybody has had their sort of stories of how they've been able to work through it. What were you guys able to do? Oh, we didn't work through the pandemic. Not at all. <laughs> not um, not on the second season. Not on the second season? Yeah, yeah. The actors and stuff worked in it. We literally finished the writers room right before everything shut down. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was like, if anything, it was like, on edge, like, oh my God, are they going to shoot this? Like, you know, are they ever going to make this? And, you know, I guess they figured out protocol and everything like that. And so I was just sitting around watching Real Housewives and drill rap videos (laughs) waiting for them to make the show. (laughs) It doesn't sound so bad. Uh, um, No, it wasn't. But I gained like 40 pounds. So, (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I think that was a lot of us in this country. <laughs> yeah, did everybody gain the COVID? Okay, cool. Nobody's close, fifth. Then, then great. I don't mind it. <laughs> well, one of the cool things about being Zoom is like it's only like yeah, yeah, yeah neck yeah. up. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so. Oh, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I'm the only person who's seen my gut in a, like a years. <laughs> Just fine. Yeah. Oh my God. We might go back inside. Aren't you guys terrified? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. No? They're, they just, you know, they just announced. So you're back in New York now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, they just announced yeah. like that you're going to have to be vaccinated to go to restaurants and, and th- yeah. things like that. And I'm perfectly good with that. I'm fine. You know, I see all these people like being like, I'm going to boycott places that demand a vaccine and i'm like so fucking what like, yeah. we don't want you to anyway i work at a place that we already started doing that like a week ago and we had somebody mm-hmm. post on instagram that was like that's the last time i'll go there and like everybody was like great awesome like, <laughs> like you and your dumb unvaccinated yeah. friends yeah i mean look like i at this point it's just it just seems very strange to me that we've decided like i don't know like uh, I don't know. A needle, se- like a needle, to me, just seems like the weirdest hill to die on. You know what I'm saying? Because like you're gonna die anyway. Like so, like why? It's I'm I'm more shocked, honestly, at you know the conspiracy theories around it. Obviously, there are people who, for medical reasons or whatever, can't. You know, I'm not judging them. It's the people who just are like you know, who think that the U.S. government created a whole pandemic just to trick them into getting a microchip. Like, what? Like, what? You know, like, there are people in other countries begging for vaccine. What an American shitty privileged thing to do. Like, you think that you are too good for a vaccine, that people are dying to get just over the board in Mexico, they want them so bad. And here you are, Pfizer's offering offering us a third shot just for a boost. And you're like, fuck that. You're so selfish. You're so self. You're so selfish. So selfish. And it's you know. And I'm. I mean, I guess they wouldn't care because the whole Trump thing was anti-globalist or whatever, America first and all that. But I I guess my parents are immigrants. I just can't imagine not giving a shit about anybody someplace else. You know, I don't not that you need to be the children of immigrants for that. I'm sorry for implying that. But I just, you know, it's like I have family elsewhere. So I know that I get to be cognizant that there's something else happening somewhere else. And I just can't imagine being in like bumblefuck Iowa being like, yeah government's coming for me you know fuck your corn you know yeah like they even know who the fuck you are yeah they don't care no like if there are there are bigger targets to go after yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah they don't get like them. not a milk farmer like a dairy farmer yeah. in in middle in one of those square shaped states there are so many cooler targets yeah. like i'm sure the government would go after like i don't know sean king first leave it alone <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure they would. Um, but that being said, that brings us back to TV writing for, for, for <laughs> a second. No, no, no. It's actually perfect because you worked on a show before a Black Lady Scott show. You worked mm-hmm. on a, a president show. And, yeah. and like, I couldn't imagine being around somebody that was even dressed like 
Trump oh, yeah. like all day long, like yeah. without like being going into a fit of rage. <laughs> so like, was that yo, was that fun or like? Yo, it was fun, but it fucked me up mentally. I remember because like, um, one, I'm an extremely online person. Like, I was super into Twitter, like from since 2010, maybe. And, um, and, you know, I feel like Trump changed Twitter when he got on it, like 2015, it suddenly was an incredibly mean, intense, toxic place. Right. And then when that person becomes one of the most followed people on the app, and then is the president of the United States and is like conducting official business on there, but like still in his incredibly mean tone, I think it snuck in our brains that we, um, get to be awful to people. I don't know that it was conscious, but I think he set the tone for how humans interact with one another. And then you, I was already having that in my private life. And then I went to work every day and there was, we had to, for the purposes of the comedy, like try to understand his psychology, like in a real way. Um, and that fucked me up a lot because you know, I was one of two black people on that writing staff and white liberals can be as liberal as they want to be, but they not, there's net, there's always going to be like a barrier. Like they don't get it in the same way. And so like mm-hmm. we were all processing toxic information all the time, but I was feeling it a little more toxically in certain instances than other people. So it was lonely at times, not for anything that anybody did, but to see what things were a major deal to me, but weren't necessarily as big a deal to other people really, really got to me. And again, not that anybody did anything. It was just like, there were things I had to take personal that other people maybe didn't have to take as personally. And then because of the way my brain works and my interests, I was also a stand-up comic who cared about politics and stuff. Like I was doing politics material before Trump was president. And it was like, okay, so I'm getting saturated in my personal free time online. And then I'm getting saturated at work. And then I'm getting saturated in my own stand-up. It like beat my ass. I wasn't funny for like, like stand-up was hard for a while because it's like I kept trying to not do jokes about Trump one because they never last he was doing something so fucking crazy every day Mm -hmm. that like if I tried to write a really great joke about something he did it wouldn't matter because he did something more joke worthy like tomorrow but also um I couldn't think about anything else. Trump was like one of these like all consuming entities that like I didn't know what to write about myself because I didn't know what I was thinking. Like what what do you think about when that person runs the world and you're the kind of person who cares about that? You know, like it felt wrong. I mean, I did joke about being a slut all the time still, but like like am I really just going to be on stage talking about sucking dicks when this guy is like tweeting about like blowing up Iran, you know what I'm saying? Or North Korea. And so it was just like such a, it was a mind fuck. And then I can imagine for Anthony Tamanik who played uh, Trump, that that was spectacularly exhausting because he was doing research upon research upon, like he was talking 
like two people who knew Trump when he was a kid researching his parents dynamic, like, like that must suck. Can you imagine being in the mind of such a shitty person? Oh, that's <laughs> a big dive that none of us want to take. No. And then like, you have to be them and you have to take, he was one of the great, like, I will say that there are a lot of Trump impersonators, but I think he's the greatest or one of the greats. Like he was really, really good at what he did, but it must suck to be that good at impersonating someone so off. <laughs> Yuck. Yeah. Yeah. Yuck. Ew. And like the fact that that guy won't even go away, like he keeps, I think, you know, like I'm a progressive person, but I am so grateful that um, Biden is president. And I think that's what, what attracted so many people to him um, to make him president is just like, I just wanted normal. You know what I'm saying? I think so many people are like, um, yeah, scared. I I will admit fear. You know what I'm saying? Like I've never felt more unsettled or in unstable than when Trump was president. And then also I suddenly moved to a new city to work on the good place for like real like three weeks notice or something. And then I was in a new place that I didn't know that I wasn't comfortable, that I hated so much all while the world around me was crumbling. And it's like, all I wanted was something that made sense. You know, all I wanted was like stability. And I've suddenly become maybe not a conservative person. I mean, conservative and like little C conservative, like conservative about food or whatever. Just like I, I am so fearful. I, it sucks because I learned how to be big in the Blackley Sketch Show writers room. But like, I just want everything small and contained, and I can control it. Um, and yeah, Trump made me feel out of control. Working on that show made me feel out of control. And so, like now, all I'm looking is for is things that I can be in control of. You know. I think it's okay to want somebody who's not going to send it out a tweet at 3 a.m. That's going to put the entire world in instability. Yes. Like, yeah. like, do you like there, there are so many things that if I look back and I'm like, did that really fucking happen? And they really happened. Like the president of the United States was like, I don't know, maybe on sleeping pills or something and tweeted Kofifi at night. And then we woke up and had to like, (laughs) what? Like, and it mattered because he's the head of state of the richest country in the world. Like, it's not like, oh, this is Lithuania and maybe it only matters to 4 million people. You know what I mean? Like this changed global politics if it was some code word for something or like, like, do you remember the first debate? Like that happened. The first debate where Joe Biden had to be like, shut up, yeah. you clown. <laughs> what? Yeah. And I I like I remember being like, this is a disgrace. Like, this is a disgrace. And and like when I worked on the presidential, that was the beginning part of it. Like, can you imagine if I stayed in in, in New York? Like, oh my God. <laughs> Oh my God. We would have been writing <laughs> material about God. Oh my God. Remember when Trump got COVID? That was thrilling. 
<laughs> I'm not like one of these people who was like, oh, if you get COVID, you should die. But I wanted him to go night night so bad. <laughs> I was sitting there. I was like, he's not going to die, but it would be so cool if he did, you know? Yeah. Well, and then I thought about, oh, he's a white cisgendered man. He's going to get all the help. He all the- Even if he wasn't president. Oh, you know? you th- I don't know. Enough enough white men died that he didn't give a fuck about, too. But (laughs) rich white. I was like, what? He's getting experimental drugs and he's telling these people like that's another thing that blows up. Like Lindsey Graham got covid the other day and he's good because he has he's double vaxxed. As he and his friends are telling people not to get shot. Are you They're They're all vaccinated. Trump is, too. That is so fucked up to me like yeah. it's so fucked up to me be like you go die for my political like i guess goals you go die i'm never gonna die though i'm not <laughs> but like that that is so crazy and i don't understand how these poor people don't go looking at them and being like well my cousin's dead my auntie's dead and Lindsay got a vaccine but fuck the va-. like that is yeah. crazy they i even remember seeing a picture of like ivanka getting the shot and putting it on her instagram and these motherfuckers are like oh i'm not no like did you see i'm sorry this is the kind of stuff that tweaks my brain but did you see like ron DeSantis yesterday he's like if you haven't fixed the border don't ask me about what's happening with covid in florida and i'm like fuck you dude it's like totally like if you know you get caught cheating your girlfriend and you're like why are you looking through my phone though like that's not the point (laughs) the point is that you're cheating these people are dying it is oh yeah okay anyway i didn't think i was gonna get all politics but that's no, okay. Let's get some positivity. We've <laughs> talked about the bad. Let's talk about a little bit the good. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dave and I have listened to your podcast, and we want to talk about reality shows with you. Oh, yay! And uh, <laughs> yeah. one of the things, you, I was listening to, I was eating my cereal, and you said, Vanderpump Rules is the love and hip-hop for white people, which made me spit <laughs> out my Cheerios. <laughs> so why don't we get into that a little bit and before we get before we uh, play, in, play our game. Oh. is like, talk about your love of reality shows and what are some of your favorites. Okay, okay. Um, I watch everything. God forgive me. I truly watch everything. If it's on VH1, I watch it. If it's on WeTV, I watch it. And if it's Bravo, I watch it. I don't I don't like dating reality shows. I hate them. Um, because I think I've tricked myself into believing that watching reality TV is an intellectual endeavor. And um the dating reality shows are the only ones that don't subvert anything because, you know, like Vanderpump Rules, for example, the reason I love that it's the love and hip hop for white people is because you, um, America only shows certain races in certain lights, not in a like, I'm not one of those people who thinks that ghetto people shouldn't be on TV. I say put everybody on TV, but um, there was, there's a, protecting of the image of white people that white people like to do. And so they don't show the trashiest. And and I remember when, even when Jersey Shore came on, there were Italian Americans protesting it. People from like Staten Island and Jersey protesting it. Same with mob wives or whatever. So it's like, even when they show the quote unquote trashy white people, there are people who are like, get that off TV kind of thing. Um, 
But Vanderpump Rules was just so good. And it was like sneakily very ghetto, you know. It was like, at first, it was just a show about kids who work in a restaurant, um, in the restaurant owned by this very classy woman on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. But then it just devolved very quickly. And I'm like, yes, I'm here for it. Like, because the formula of love and hip hop is a love triangle with a man who may or may not be a rapper, usually not, but trying to be, and two women who don't respect themselves enough to get out of this situation. And Vanderpump Rules has the same three formula, like the same man dealing with two women, being trash, and, um, and you know, not respecting themselves. But at least on Vanderpump Rules, eventually he gets his comeuppance. There's not really the same kind of consequence on like Love and Hip Hop. We're on like season 15 of Love and Hip Hop, one of them. So maybe we'll see if that happens. Um, but I don't like the dating shows because it's it's standard. Oh, a guy gets to hook up with a bunch of girls and he may hurt most of their feelings. How's that any different from real life? <laughs> so, um, but I love... Yes, I love it. It's fun. I don't know. One, it's a great way to get get to gossip about people without getting in trouble for your, with your friends for talking about them. Although I still gossip about my friends. So I need to work on that. But then you also get to like meet. I, that sounds too familiar with just TV characters, but you really do get to meet people you would never meet otherwise. I would never, ever, ever in my life, ever hang out with anybody who's on Real Housewives of anything. It would never come <laughs> up in my life, ever. Like the whole New York cast is like horny 60-something-year-old women, rich white women. I'm, I didn't even know people on the Upper East Side had sex. I thought that was not a thing. I thought you just owned your townhouse and slept a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Went to but, museums. Yes, exactly. You know, yeah. <laughs> like created a trust fund for your kid. Like who knew they were fucking? They'd be fucking up there, man. I'm like, all right, let me take the six train somewhere and see what they doing in the streets over there. You know, it's great. Um, and also, I'm not wealthy like that, so I'd never. Well, we're finding out with all of them getting arrested for tax fraud and shit, they not wealthy like that either. But yeah. Right. I, yeah. I would never ever. I like, and you know, I went to like one of these fancy private schools, but I went to a Brooklyn one, and it's like an artsy fartsy one. You know, no great. So like, I wouldn't even run into their kids because the kind of rich kids that went to my school were like, um, you know, artist kids and shit like that. Not, you know, not like own a townhouse next to Bloomberg's, you know, kind of thing. So I, yeah, they, those, those women up East, man, <laughs> they get down, you know? And then um, I love all the black shows. Um, I think, because I spent a lot of time in um, predominantly white schools and stuff, I feel like a lot of the pop culture that I got to share with my school friends and stuff didn't feature people like me. So I like to consume anything with Black people in it. And I I know this is going to sound somewhat contradictory because I mentioned that they're like these shows, a lot of them are like ghetto. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I just mean like hood kind of thing. Um mm-hmm. These people are like one of the most amazing things I think about reality TV is that it shows people who would otherwise be flat and one dimensional on a scripted show get to be well-rounded, you know, like if 
if it's one of those dudes on Love and Hip Hop who is treating his girls miserably, terribly, whatever, he still gets to have a scene with his kids that makes him look like a good dad. Or he gets to have a scene with his mom, with his mom dressing him down for how he treats women. So you understand that he wasn't raised that way sort of thing. And it's like, okay, it actually is helped me a lot in terms of imagining my own characters, because I'm sure you've seen a TV show where you can tell the writer hates the bad guy on that show. You know what I'm saying? Where you could tell the writer hates, like, you know, and, and the writer hasn't done the villain a service. Like you'll see people be like, get him off the show kind of thing. And it's like, no, no, no. A villain is integral to a good story. So your audience and you shouldn't hate your villain. And so it's made me think about how to, if not give, like, you don't want to get your villain off the hook, but you might need some redemptive qualities about your villain. You, if your person, if your character is stupid, they can't be stupid all the time. You know, stupid people feel things too. You know, and it's like, okay, well, I learned that from watching Real Housewives of New Jersey because Teresa Judice is dumb as fuck, but she has <laughs> all of these like beautiful moments with her daughters. Her husband committed fraud and she had to go to prison for it. Yeah. But it was so sad when she was leaving her daughters. You know what I mean? <laughs> Stuff like that. Well, that's a good way to segue to our game. So uh, here at the Know Your Rose podcast, what we do is we take two things that seemingly have nothing to do together with each other and we try to connect them and for your episode we're doing reality shows and fashion accessories we're each going to do five uh, yes. uh i'll start it off with my first reality show then dave and then ray as our guest you're going to go last land the plane for us um uh, it's funny that you mentioned okay. how you don't watch the dating shows um i watched the season of the bachelor during the pandemic not a good show <laughs> with the black bachelor? With, with matt bars i had to watch it because it's matt bars <laughs> I met, I tried to watch it too, and I was like, "Oh, he gonna pick the white girl. He gonna pick the white girl. Oh, yeah. He gonna oh, pick yeah. the white girl." You knew it. You knew it after like the second episode. It's like, well, this is gonna yeah. be pretty easy. How this? <laughs> but I, I watched it, and uh, it's the only season of that show that I've ever watched. And mm. my fashion accessory is going to be rings, in particular, wedding rings. Uh, ultimately, not. For me, so that's what I <laughs> are we anti marriage here, George? Yeah, I think I think I think I'm gonna sit that one out. I'm gonna take the L on the marriage. <laughs> Dave, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna try to follow that. Um, my next one is something that both as a reality show and as a fashion accessory existed before the pandemic, but has taken like become a new thing kind of during okay. the pandemic. And the reality show is uh, or uh, are like suited for the pandemic. Let, mm-hmm. let me put it that way. Um, the reality show is The Circle on Netflix, uh-huh. um, which I kind of like because it's mm-hmm. like it it's it's almost set up like a dating show. But it's you don't know if the people are catfish and because they're all isolated, they're all in their own rooms. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. that's why as a fashion accessory, it's a bandana. bandana has been around forever but as you see george is rocking it now everybody's rocking bandanas who didn't have like myself i won't speak for george but myself who didn't have the self-confidence to wear one before and now it's like i wear a bandana fuck it so yeah the the circle is the bandana. i loved the circle it was really great it was so good um okay you picking um 
the circle made me think of Big Brother because I it's the version of Big Brother that I would play the circle. Um, and I guess Big Brother is like a, extremely, extremely strategic and it's a staple. It's been around for we're on season 23 right now of the American Big Brother. So it's like a staple and it's all about strategy and you know, putting people and items in the right place to win. So I'm going to say that the big brother is a purse. Nice, nice. Very nice. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go next. Uh, so like some of the, the the reality shows that I mentioned, I'm going to do them by seasons. And the, the show that I'm talking about is Real World New York. And that's 1992. Now, I'm old enough to remember Real World New York and it being like a big thing. And my mm -hmm. favorite cast member of that was Heather B, who is still mm -hmm. relevant today, the co-host of Sway in the Morning, which is why mm -hmm. Real World New York is a pair of door knocker earrings. Still dope. <laughs> always be dope. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she still rocks them, too, right? She still rocks them. Heather B. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we love her. That's still a good look. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. My next one is... Uh, something it's kind of like when you see it it's real hard to believe because the stories are so like over the top um but you know mm. it's going to be fun and messy and that's 90 day fiance um <laughs> which is like <laughs> just like it's next like some like some of these stories that start off and you're like there's no way these people are going to work out no way and then they mm -hmm. stay together somehow or like mm. some of it's you're just like what is in it for this person like this is definitely a scam um but yeah but that's why as a fashion accessory it's a tiara because if you are in a bar <laughs> or anywhere and you see somebody walk in with a tiara probably gonna be a fun exciting mess to watch for a couple hours so. <laughs> yes I'm I'm convinced 90 Day Fiance scripted. I can't think of like it's gotten so absurd. It's, it's gotten so absurd. Crazy. Like it's crazy. I, I think a lot, you know, I mean, I'm sure we could talk about this, but like there's a lot of them are are scripted, you know. Sure. I mean, they have story producers on them. So obviously, right? Yeah. There's like direction and whatever. But 90 Day Fiance went from like a good documentary to like a good reality TV show to a fucking psycho story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they have spinoffs for every, like they spin have a million different shows. They created their own industry, you know? Yeah. They really have. And yet it's almost like a sweatshop because TLC pays them jack shit. I'm it's sure. terrible, <laughs> but they make so much money off of it. Hmm. Okay. So I'm a liar and I did watch a, um, a one dating show last year called Love Island USA. Um, and uh, I hated it the whole time. But I it made me want to be like young and hot again, like because all these people are like 21 to 26 and they're like real thin with sick boobs and ass and all that. So my fashion I guess accessory is the uh, a thong, a bathing suit thong yeah. for Love Island. Yeah. Nice. I think that's what they would want for that show too. That, yeah. yeah, I think that's yeah. they all. That's all yeah. they wear yeah. on that show. I'm pretty that's sure the only wardrobe they give them. Uh, <laughs> George, 
All right. So for my third one is a, is a reality show that up until this past year, I have actually never watched. Now, some of the people that have been on it, I've been, I remember them from years past of being on other real worlds, whatever. And that's the challenge. And for me, the challenge, oh, yes. the challenge I very much enjoyed it. First time ever watching that show, which is why it was like a scarf. Because up until last year, I didn't enjoy that shit either. But now I'm like, oh, it's, <laughs> that's kind of tight. <laughs> oh, this neck protection. Absolutely. Neck I was like, I didn't, up until last year, I enjoyed it. Now, wait. So what? What? Um, what season of the challenge did you watch? Do you remember the one that was he in wa- uh, Iceland? The mo- he watched the most recent one. The most recent one. Oh, the most the recent. So double agents. Yeah. Double agents. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's the first one I haven't watched in a long time. I am obsessed with the challenge like obsessed if anything um so you watched the real world when it was actually on right did did, you watch all of it i think i i think vegas i think is where it peaked and i think it peaked for you in vegas yeah it peaked for me in vegas okay so i watched i I think i'm a little younger than you but also my family didn't have cable until i was like 12 or 13 Mm -hmm. so vegas was the first or was the real world the second new york the second real world new york was the one that i started watching with and then i watched vegas oh my god it was so naughty and i was like (laughs) i loved vegas they had a threesome in the pool um but um so like i never stopped watching real world even into like my late twenties when they finally canceled the show, like I stayed with it and I've been watching the challenge since I was like 12 as well. So like whenever people are like, I just started, I'm so thrilled. And like, I wish that you like, if you ever have time, go back and watch those seasons of the challenge with people you will remember. It's so exciting. It's so exciting to watch them grow up. You know, I think I will. I think, cause I think Paramount plus has got them all. all oh, available. Well, there are lots of, episodes that are like not on there because because they had to pull them there's some problematic yes. people <laughs> well not just problematic people you kind of just go how did we let this happen on tv <laughs> if you go back and watch like the earlier like pre-tj Lavin yes. seasons yes woo. it's like it's like so they'll have they'll have <laughs> they'll have challenges where the women are in bikinis and the men are in trunks and it's like they are on an ice block and they have to like rub their bodies on each other to generate heat to melt the ice type shit it's like weird to think that there were 50 something year old people holding the camera on these people but it's like did mtv grow up with me did they just figure out they, they can't do this shit you know what i mean it's it's so intense. It's so, and there's like, there's an episode where yeah. CT pulverizes Adam. The fact that CT is allowed to be back on TV as much as I love him is astonishing. Like and Johnny bananas and all like uh, that. We had Johnny actually on our podcast and like, I wasn't there, but I like, I'm like the fact that his career could never be possible now ever. Um, or like, Oh gosh, like, there, they had to pull an episode because a woman maybe got sexually assaulted with a toothbrush on a drunken, like, it is so, I just told you to watch it and then started listing all the reasons you shouldn't. <laughs> it, it, and they did kind of grow up with us. And like, you, you see all the terrible shit, any reality show that's been around for like 20 fucking years. Like if you go back. Yeah. Um, but anyway, all right. I think I'm next. My next one is both as a 
accessory and as a reality show huge huge franchise deal huge big deal but nothing that i've ever been able to get into or at least been able to focus on it for more than two minutes and that's Mm -hmm. the housewives i just like i i understand the appeal my fiance loves them she loves every franchise she watches every franchise um some are definitely better than others um some i can Mm -hmm. stand much more like honestly like atlanta Mm -hmm. is much more entertaining than than, yeah it's so funny uh, most of them (laughs) and like but some like just the tone of voice sometimes like it's uh, i don't know there's something in my brain that like it just doesn't respond Mm -hmm. um are you a misogynist is um, that what it is i I don't think that's it (laughs) um but but like it's just like i said i've just never i can't do it for more than a couple minutes also like the point is you're supposed to like laugh at them and 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 mm-hmm. like not like them, but like my mm-hmm. like not laughing turns into like hatred real quick, and, okay, and I'm just it, like it, sitting there like all tight, so I just have to leave. Um, but that is why, as an accessory, <laughs> it's a Kentucky Derby hat. Kentucky Derby hats, <laughs> huge thing, and like the race is fine, but it lasts two minutes. Mm-hmm. But like people make a whole fucking day out of it. And I remember there's a place by me. I live in Kensington. There's a place uh, green. Greenwood Mm -hmm. Park, which is like huge beer garden spot. And I was like waiting for the bus to go to work on a Kentucky Derby day. And there was like a whole line of people, like a line in in Brooklyn of like people with ridiculous outfits and these hats. And I just wanted to go to every single person and be like, you guys know where you are, right? Like, you know, you're in Brooklyn, right? Like, <laughs> we have neither Kentucky nor yeah, we Derby's. Don't, no. We don't need to do this. You're going to a bar to watch it. You know that, right? Um, but yeah, that's why the housewives are, are uh, Derby hats. But again, I'm not even shit. Like, it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm offended. <laughs> Real Housewives is my everything. It's my Alpha and Omega. It is my... I don't I love it. I love it so much. I've been watching Real Housewives since probably like 2008, bro. Like, damn. Ooh, I need a life. I, my fiance um, is right there with you. She would, she would yeah, like, be right with you. So <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I just love it so much because it's like, um, yeah. Well, one, there it sort of is a spin-off of, or it was inspired by Desperate Housewives. Do you remember that mm-hmm. show? And um Desperate Housewives was the first show I saw where they showed women like that, if that makes sense, where it was like, I mean, I didn't watch a lot of soap operas as a kid. Like my mom was into them, but I wasn't um, except for passions. Oh, I love that show. But um, but like, again, like well-rounded bad guys and good guys was Desperate Housewives thing. And then even on Desperate Housewives, the women did so much plastic surgery and stuff to keep themselves looking young. And it's not that they don't do it on Real Housewives, but where other than Real Housewives are you going to see women of a certain age given complete interiors and reflected well on TV? You know, Um, like I can't even think of right now off the top of my head, a scripted show where a woman 50 years old is the main character. It would take us some time. Yeah, I'm sure there are maybe something stupid like Madam Secretary or whatever they'd be putting on CBS and shit, you know, them 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 old people networks, you know. Yeah. But like, but there aren't a lot of like hip shows with it that targeted with a demographic like mine or younger. 
that features women over 45. Like the the world isn't kind to us in that way. And so like, I'm really, I just love that you get to see that like, there's a future for you and you can be like glamorous and fabulous and on the Upper East Side fucking everybody. (laughs) If you're like, you know, if you're, if you're menopausal, like that's cool, you know? So that's like one of my attractions. And also I just like mess, but I see what you're saying. Very, it's very ostentatious too. like conduct Kentucky Derby, like (laughs) just, just like a show. It's tacky. Yeah. Yeah, It's tacky and like in your face and stuff. So I I feel you. I feel you. Um, uh, let's see. So, um, when you started talking about staples or like, you know, long time, uh, network series, my brain thought you were going to go Survivor. So I'm going to go Survivor. Survivor has been on TV since I was 13 years old. 12. 12. 14 or 15. Yeah. It was like, it was like the summer right before eighth grade was when Survivor premiered. And, um, yeah, I remember being in love with like Jervis that first season. <laughs> Anytime there's a black person on a TV show and he's like the only black person on that show, I don't care what it is, he's my boyfriend <laughs> in my head instantly. So, I also like Jervis as um, well. <laughs> yeah, Jervis is great. He came the, he came back, yeah. but it, Survivor had like yeah. evolved so much that he sucked yeah. so bad, and he still couldn't swim. And it's like, dude, yeah. what? Yeah, <laughs> I can't swim either, but I'm not going on reality <laughs> TV shows that require it. Um, <laughs> Um, but so survivor is like just one of those things that you almost could forget to, that it's around and, but it's like, whenever you need it, it's there. And there's always, you can always go back to it. You can always like reincorporate it into your life. It it's like retro, but it can become new again for you. So I'm going to go with sneakers for survivor you know it's like it can oh it'll always fit your wardrobe they're always relevant but you don't always have to think about buying new sneakers because the old ones still feel good and the new ones will always be in style or whatever because eventually they become retro again yeah sneakers awesome all right, for my fourth one, uh, I'm going to talk about a reality show that I don't know if you guys even watch it. But when I was, a, if I was a power rank, the the most successful reality show person post reality show, this guy mm-hmm. would have to be number one. And the reality show I'm talking about is Miz and Mrs. And the Miz, he has been relevant and in our lives for a solid 17 years. Whether it was on yeah. the real world, whether it was on road roads. Real World Rose Will Challenge, the Battle of the Seasons. He's been in the WWE and been a profitable WWE guy since 2006, which mm-hmm. is why the Miz and Miz and Mrs. given their past career, he's like a Yankee cap. You can't get rid of that. Uh, it's just still there. Still relevant yes. after 20 years still of being relevant. on reality TV. So Miz and Mrs. Yankee cap. That's impressive. Also, the Miz is the only person I've seen on reality TV ever, right? That I can think of that, you know how like people go on reality TV and they're like, I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to be an actor, right? They think they're going to parlay reality TV into whatever dream career they have. And like the Miz was on the real world, New York, the second mm-hmm. one and being like, I'm going to be a wrestler. Yep. And like, no one took him seriously. And he like made it happen. Yep. 
Very impressive. Absolutely. Very impressive. Yeah, he's one of the very few that really like parlayed it into a career, into a different, into mm-hmm. a different career that wasn't reality show. All right. Um, so I'm next. So we didn't say, but we can't, you can double up. So I'm going to double up the one you just mentioned because it's probably my favorite reality show of all time or one of, okay. which is Survivor. Um, and probably my greatest joy from this last year was I got my fiance hooked on it. Uh, and okay. we watched like all fucking 40 seasons of it. Um, some of them, <laughs> it really is that it's many. so many, and some of them are pretty fucking rough. Um, cause yeah. actually on your podcast, you said something that like I have said before and like is totally true of like it, it it's taken 40 seasons for like everybody who's on the show to realize that they're on a competition reality show. And like mm-hmm. over some of the first few seasons, like only one or two people actually knew that. Yeah. And it's really fucking boring to watch until like the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like Richard was the only person who had figured it out the first season for yes. sure. Um, yeah. And then tax evasion. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh uh, I just remember you just reminded me of like when Jeff Kent was on uh, the former baseball player, and then in his exit, and oh, he yes! was like, "It's only six hundred thousand after Obama gets it, or some shit like that." <laughs> and I was like, "What the fuck?" I already knew you were an asshole, but now I really know. Shut um, up! Yeah. In real yeah, life, he said that shit. Uh, that would have been the case during the Bush presidency. I know. Too. Like, like he, yeah. Um, okay, but uh, anyway. No, no matter, <laughs> no matter how rough it gets, uh, I'm still hooked. I'll always be hooked. And that's why as a fashion accessory is something that I, I literally cannot leave the house without, even if it's not that sunny out and that sunglasses. I can't, oh. I have to have, I'm that guy. I'm sorry. Like I have sensitivity to like, do they, do they allow you to have sunglasses on survivor? Can you have oh, sunglasses shit. on survivor? That's a great question. And now I know that I can never go on it. Because I don't think you can. I don't think I've never seen anyone with sunglasses. But I feel like I've. But I feel like I might have seen one. Somebody's got to have Oakleys on Survivor. Obsessed, you know those stupid Oakleys. (laughs) I'm gonna go back and watch all 40 seasons. (laughs) (laughs) Try to find Oakleys in one episode. There's another show with random maybe sexual assault. Yep. Another show that if you go back and watch all of it, you're like, oh my god. Oh, do you remember that they had the races season? They split the season up by Dude, race. So many of the like themes. Apparently, they're doing away with themes because they've learned. It's taken Finally. them forty seasons. Because they had stupid, they have stupid themes. It's like Goliath yeah. versus. It's <laughs> like, such what? like it's it. You're never more aware that reality TV is scripted when they do that because like they're just fitting people into boxes based on their answer yeah. to like one question. <laughs> of like do you work with your hands or like you know uh, you're part of the brawn tribe like <laughs> yes or, or like uh gen x versus yeah. millennials i was like so so we're just gonna cut out a whole <laughs> and then, group above and they that. try to like put like an actual ethos onto that shit of like this is how these people act and this is how those people act but it's all bullshit i'm like we have assholes in every yeah. generation <laughs> yeah. sir like yeah. <laughs> what yeah. are you doing yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. All right. Um, so this isn't quite a staple, but it was like ubiquitous. Um, so like keeping up with the Kardashians, I never watched intentionally, but I'm a person on social media. So there's always clips, always gifs. And 
as much as I resent them for doing so, they have very successfully like turned being uh, reality TV stars. And before that, I guess uh, a sex worker, which isn't bad um, into being like staples of like the media and, you know, all of that to the point where I would go out of my way to avoid it. And I would still see the show. And I'm in New York City now. And even though it's not winter, I've still seen Timberlands everywhere. <laughs> even though I'm not supposed to see it, it's 80 degrees outside. There's still somebody with shorts and Timberlands <laughs> with the laces loose, you know? So, yes. Keep it up with the Kardashians, our Timberlands, even though the aesthetic of the Timberlands is very different from that of the Kardashians. It, you know, it's a juxtaposition of very hard masculine with very feminine. But yeah, they are the ever present Timberlands nice. in New York. Some of the basketball players that they've been involved with probably wore Timberlands. Right. Yes, that's true, too. <laughs> Chris Humphreys probably don't. He probably never yeah, seen he a probably Timberland. Definitely didn't like, what is Timberlands? a Timberland? Wait, he's from Minnesota, so he probably <laughs> used them for the proper yeah. reason. For the wrong, for the right reason. <laughs> yeah. All right, George. All right, for my final one, I'm going to talk about, briefly talk about my favorite reality show, the one that just makes me feel good. Mm. Uh, like Warm and Fuzzy, and that's Top Chef. And even if it's somebody that I don't like that wins it, I still feel great, which is why Top Chef is like a nice set of gloves. Just mm. makes you feel good. Oh, yeah. Makes you feel warm. Warm and fuzzy. And, you know, Top Chef is about using your hands. Absolutely. You know, I love Top Chef. Top Chef. A lot. It's so good. And it's impressive that they've been going this long and they've been like this successful because you can't taste the food. It used no. to piss me off so much that I can't taste the food. And it's also like not like even if, you know, you could figure out how to make it like who has these ingredients, who has these tools in it? Like, but somehow the show manages to make the food magical for me, even though I have no access to most of those dishes ever. And if I did, it would cost me and my friend five hundred dollars to have a meal mm -hmm. at any of their restaurants, you know, your final I also absolutely love Top Chef and I'm using it as my final as well. But I'm going to talk about something slightly different about it, mm -hmm. which is if you win it or even if you're like one of the finalists or memorable, it makes your career going forward. Like people get whole restaurant empires yeah. after it, like, you know, they're known mm -hmm. people now. And that's why as an accessory, it's a championship ring. If you get a championship <laughs> ring, you can always say that it's like one of those things, yes. like an Academy Award or whatever, like, yeah, you always, or an Emmy or, a, or an Emmy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And even a nomination, too. You get to say that forever. Like you get to say, yeah, like Top Chef finalist forever, you know, or mm -hmm. Top Chef winner. And uh, yeah. yeah, championship rings like in some cities like Chicago, if you are even the water boy on a championship team and have a ring, you never have to pay for a meal ever again. And uh, really, yeah, because they really like a place like Chicago or like a, a place or like, like a Boston. 
Oh, okay. Like the, okay. The, so like a white working class yes. city loves a loves a championship, huh? Oh my god. Okay. Like the 14th man on the Bulls championship team. <laughs> like Jack Haley, who never played ever, and he literally is known for waving a towel on the bench. Like that dude is a hero <laughs> in Chicago. That's amazing. Like, That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I love that. Um okay, final reality show. Let's see. Well, I just yelled at you for not liking Real Housewives. So I might as well stick with what I'm so passionate about. Um, yeah, Real Housewives overall, the franchise. But my favorite being, my favorite is probably, probably Potomac right now, but you know, New Jersey was the most fun. They're all great for different reasons. Beverly Hill was my favorite at one point, New York, Atlanta, but Potomac is my favorite now. But for me, it's a very, very, very important show. Um, I don't know what I would do without it. Um, And now that I'm back in New York, uh, we have winters here, and I'm sure with climate change, they're going to be terroristic. Um, so Real Housewives, for me, is like wearing a North Face snorkel jacket with the fur <laughs> on the collar or whatever, just for a little pizzazz, you know. Yeah. Well-defined thing, too. So, like, yeah, like, yeah, it's a thing. Perfect. It's a thing. Yeah. New New York is the North Face snorkel yeah. and the Timberlands. That was like your back to school winter stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So guys, we did it. Ray, before we let you go, plug something for us and where can we, where can we, our listeners read about you and all that other good stuff? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Ray Sani. I abuse it. So you might hate me if you go on there. Um, I'm on uh Instagram at rafizzle87. Don't make fun of me. It was a nickname I came up with in high school. I did not know we'd be using Instagram for real stuff. And um, and I have a, my own solo podcast coming. And if I say it on recording, then I have to do it because that'll make me a liar if I don't. So mm-hmm. um, it's called The Dizziest Bee at the Table. It's a reference to Real Housewives of Potomac. One character calls another character, you the dizziest bitch at this table so (laughs) i love it so much um and it's just gonna be a solo podcast in which i like talk about reality tv and also like hot topics and things you know pop culture whatever like i've been actually like all week trying to find time to sit down and talk about the baby because he does something stupid every day like you know i'm just like the baby the baby no you could have apologized last tuesday and everything he would have been so fine he would have been so fine you guys know what i'm talking about right he would have been okay he would have been okay if he had just apologized on Monday morning. That would have been it. Now he done mm-hmm. been kicked off every festival possible. I didn't even know there was that many festivals. I only knew I about Coachella. <laughs> so, um, yes. So basically, that's the kind of stuff you hear me rambling about on that when I finally do it, and I will because I just promised the two of y'all. So, and all our listeners. Yeah. Are you gonna do another season of the cast? We don't know yet. Um, Headgum hasn't made their decision, but if it's taking this long, I'm assuming probably not. 
Well, I hope you do. I I really have been enjoying it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for even listening. You know what I'm saying? Like it's sometimes, you know, like concept podcasts are weird because like you never know if people are going to be like interested in that hook. But then, you know, podcasts like what I'm about to do, which is just talking, is also terrifying, too. So it means a lot to me that you enjoyed that. I appreciate you both listening. That was cool. Absolutely. And uh, from from me and Dave, thank you again for being on our show. Yeah, no problem. And good to catch up again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you still doing stand up like around? I am. Yeah, I'm uh, doing a couple of shows next week and the week after next. Okay, hopefully I'll see you around then. Yeah, you will. You will. Okay, wonderful. It's nice to meet you, Mary Beth. Nice to meet you, Dave. Great to meet you. I had a blast. This was really fun. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for spending the afternoon with us. All right, right. All right. That was great. Thank you again to Ray Sani. Definitely check out for her on all your favorite socials and don't miss the Emmy nominated A Black Lady Sketch Show on HBO Max season three coming soon. And definitely keep an eye out for the podcast. She was just mentioning the dizziest bee at the table where she's going to talk about reality TV. Sounds fun. Can't wait. As we and Bart Scott like to say. All right, now we're going to go ahead and move into Last Call, where we round out the show with some things that we are looking forward to and things we got coming up. George, what's uh, what's going on? Uh, apparently, listeners, I still do stand-up. And uh, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I don't just tell jokes on a podcast. I tell jokes on a microphone. And I've got some shows coming up that I want to tell our listeners. If you're, going to try to, if you're in New York, you want to try to make it out. August 13th, I'll be at Beauty Bar at 8 o'clock. Tell a little doing some skits and bits, as the kids say. And uh, August 18th, I'll be at Mama Tried telling jokes, doing some skits and bits, as the kids say. Dave, what about you? Two quick things. First of all, do the kids say that? No, they don't. I like repetition. Now. Second of all, I like how it you made it seem like that was news to you as well, that you were it still is, doing yeah. stand-up. <laughs> I still do stand-up. Awesome. Well, I'm excited about that. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Just really quickly, nothing, nothing big. Uh, I'm looking forward to our my first uh, Hillary and I's first concert in a year and a half. Um, we're going to see the Roots at Prospect Park, which is next week, which is really exciting. August twelfth. August twelfth. I've seen them at Prospect Park before um, and other other places, um, and they're incredible. They're so awesome. I was looking at like, or I was looking at like grainy YouTube footage of that concert like the other day to to get hype. And like, I had forgotten that at one point, uh, their guitar player, Captain Kirk, uh, he just broke out into like immigrant song from like Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like they were like rapping, and then all of a sudden he's like, ah, <laughs> I'm not Jimmy Page or Robert Plant or whoever the fuck sang that part. Um, uh, page is that page page part? Uh, it's Robert Plant instead. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't even whatever. Uh, but I, yeah, that's it. I'm not gonna pretend like, pretend like I haven't seen Page and Plant in concert before. Oh, I'm sure that's why I'm looking to you for the answer. <laughs> I know, I know that you know. Oh yeah. Um, um, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, the roots at, at Prospect Park. Um. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to the end of White Lotus and the gold medal game of the of men's basketball and, and of women's basketball. They're they're in the semis, but I, I expect I hope that they will be in the finals as well. Yeah. 
that's it for me. All right, now we're going to go ahead and check in with our favorite regular producer, Mary Bess, for MB's booth. Mary Bess. Thanks, Dave. Uh, so as you know, we're talking about good news and bad news. So this episode, we have both good news and bad news kind of tied into one story. So um, you may know that this week or this past week, um, Congress was going on a recess um, and the eviction moratorium was expiring um, that had been set by the White House to prevent people from being evicted from their homes, um, especially after such a difficult year. And it was going to be leaving hundreds of thousands of low-income Americans at risk of losing their homes. And Representative Cori Bush, uh, who is a first-term Democratic congresswoman from St. Louis, uh, got an orange sleeping bag, a lawn chair, and began a round-the-clock sit-in on the steps of the U.S. Capitol that galvanized a full-on progressive revolt. She stayed put in the rain, cold, brutal summer heat, until this Tuesday when President Biden, under growing pressure from her group and Speaker Nancy Pelosi, also we had um, AOC out there, um, uh, Bernie showed up for a little bit and gave his support. It was a really lovely, lovely scene for what it was, which was an unnecessary, <laughs> necessary movement. And Tuesday, um, President Biden abruptly relented and announced a new 60-day federal eviction moratorium covering areas overrun with the Delta variant of the coronavirus, giving state and local governments time to distribute billions of dollars in federal rental assistance that has yet to go out the door. Um, so I say this is both good news and bad news because how good is it that we have representatives in Congress who mean what they say? who are willing to put themselves on the line to put their bodies on the line so that people don't have to fight for basic human rights so that people can feel protected in their homes in the middle of what is still an incredibly difficult financial and emotional and all around uprooting experience um, this pandemic their success has sent a bolt of energy through the progressive movement that Ms. Bush and others now hope will signal the start of a new, more assertive phase in Washington. So the good news is that there is a new 60-day federal eviction moratorium um, covering areas overrun with the Delta variant, uh, which is great. Um, however, the fact is that housing still is not a human right. And a lot of people are still being pushed out of their homes. And a lot of houseless people are being pushed off the streets with movements like the anti-camping measure in LA targeting homeless encampments, making those encampments as well as sitting, lying and sleeping in public spaces illegal, uh, a move that effectively criminalizes poverty and is incredibly dangerous and inhumane and Unnecessary. There was even talk in July that San Francisco might spend $20,000 per trash can to block garbage scavengers, as they are referred to, um, rather than choosing from already manufactured bins. And this is an atrocious cost where the city could very readily put that money towards helping to house people, helping to rehabilitate people who may be on the streets um, and houseless and battling with an addiction or mental illness. And we continue to fight. We continue to fight for housing and we continue to fight for the protection and well-being of every person. And 
I am heartened by seeing people like Representative Bush taking action, getting out there, bringing people in to her cause to fight for people. So we'll continue to lean into that and work towards a better environment for all of us. Thank you very much, Mary Bess. Um, well said. I, uh, yeah, the, I think the big takeaways for me are that, like, you know, there is a war on the unhoused in this country. There has been before COVID, during COVID, and post COVID. Um, you know, it's the same reason why the subway benches, benches in the subway in New York City have dividers so people can't sleep on them. You know, and things like subtle things like that that all the municipalities do. And even though we don't recognize it, like housing is a human right and every person deserves to be housed. Um, and that being said, we need to elect more people like Cori Bush because she is exactly a hero. And she, that, you know, that's, that's one of the, one of the few ways forward is to elect a more representative, uh, government. All right. We're going to go ahead and close this show out before we do. George, give us something to be excited about. Tell us what's going on on our next show. Absolutely, Dave. I am super excited to have our our guest. It's going to be August 20th. We're going to have actor, writer, comedian, and one of my favorite people on social media, Jay Cornell, as a a guest in a couple of weeks. So stoked for that. Awesome. All right. That's going to do it for us. Want to go ahead and say thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to George. Thank you to producer Mary Bess, our designer, Amanda Zeller, Alan Tech Kid, Nate88, and Kazo Oslo. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Know Your Roles wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us out. And please, everybody, be safe and stay healthy. And as always, wear your mask over your fucking nose and get vaccinated if you're going to be out in bars and restaurants and gyms. Thank you. Yeah.